they started sharing these tools, like how to share the gospel. And I honestly, even though I was going to church, I didn't even know what the gospel was. I like, I, I was experiencing it. Good day, everyone. Welcome to another episode on behalf of Disciple of City. I'm Todd Carlton, and this is the Toddcast. And on the Toddcast, this is where we hear amazing testimonies from everyday people on how God radically changed their hearts and just gives them a desire to share with people. My guest today has dropped in from Kitchener. I know a few people in Kitchener, it would appear. He grew up outside of the church and he worked in the fitness industry until he had a radical encounter. And now he is in full-time ministry for the last six years. Let's welcome Brody Haight. Hey, bro. Hello, Todd. It is so good to be on the Toddcast. Oh, man. Thanks for coming by. Really appreciate you taking some time to sit in here with us in the studio, bro. Yeah, no problem. Yeah. So, dude, um, grew up outside of the church, man. Um, yeah. Where where did you grow up and what, uh, what, was, what was childhood like for you? Yeah, so I grew up in Cambridge, Ontario, just outside of Kitchener. We call it the Tri-City area. And uh, I had an awesome childhood, Todd. Uh, my my uh, family was very successful, hard workers, entrepreneurs. But like as a young age, my parents worked so much. And I don't know, there was just something missing, something missing. And I, the only way I can explain it is like I had a, even though they were so loving and gave me everything I needed physically and worked hard for like we always had food, we always had possessions, money, but I just missing something inside my heart. I had a deep loneliness as a young man. Mm. Big family, brothers, sisters? I or? Two brothers. I was the middle. Yeah. Okay. And so uh, as you grew up and, and into high school. Yeah. Like what, what, what happened? Yeah. In, in, in grade school, it actually started with me. I started to really just uh, act out in grade school and uh, I got really rebellious as you want to call it. And uh, I found that if I uh, did a lot of funny things or got in fights or kind of was very outspoken, I would get a lot of attention. So from the youngest age, I can remember from grade two, I started fighting and just getting in a lot of trouble. Actually, by the time I got into grade three, um, when I was graduating grade two, they put me back a year, actually. Like I had to go back and that really just gave me a lot of rejection. Uh, at what age? Sorry. In grade two. Grade I got, two. Yeah, I, got, I got held back. So I was always a year older than people in school. Um, I had a speaking delay. Uh, and I, I had trouble talking and reading, so I would always be put kind of in the back room, and that caused me a lot of rejection, <laughs> as you can imagine, right? Every, all your peers are up in the front, but you're always being called to the back. It doesn't seem like that helps somebody that's struggling, that's struggling with something. Right? Like, what's wrong with that guy? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? Um, so, yeah, by the time I got into grade three and four, and I would, I would start getting in so much trouble that the school would start calling home and, uh, wondering like how they could help me because I was just a troubled kid. And it, it, you know, it's interesting that just right off the hop, right? Typically we think of people who are rebellious or kids that who are rebellious and you look, oh, there's problems here or, you know, whatever absent father or whatever or something. And, and you're talking about things were good at home. Things were, things were good. Like my parents worked a lot, but like on the outside, we had everything. My mom loved me. My dad loved me. Um, everything was good at home. Uh, 
I, there was just a, this, yeah, this deep, deep kind of like brokenness inside of me. Um, and I just started seeking for it in, in ways that I shouldn't. So I always say it, 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 if you're from a really awesome family being cared for, loved and everything, maybe you're from a Christian family. Um, it doesn't really matter. It doesn't really matter because you hear stories both ends, you know? Yeah. Yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. So this, so interesting. Cause of course we were talking in the green room before yeah. we came in, but, um, so fitness and addiction, two polar opposite things. Yeah. What, what came first for you? Yeah. Addiction definitely came first. By the time I was in grade seven, I started just smoking pot, uh, drinking, uh, from one of my earliest memories drinking was I actually woke up in a park and the city workers actually had to drive me home because I drank some of my dad's liquor and drank like a 26 of vodka. And, uh, I got so drunk. I think I was drunk for three days. Wow. And, and that continued after I had that first drink. I just continued to try everything. Uh, I started partying hard in grade eight. By the time I got to grade nine, I started cocaine. I was at a party and some older guys, I think they're in grade 12, had cocaine out. And I thought, I'll try this. And uh, I always say from the first line of cocaine I did, I was instantly addicted. I wouldn't have thought I was addicted, but it really became like a every weekend kind of thing, doing all sorts of different kinds of drugs. Mm. Um, and then I did that for 15 years, 15 years running around Canada, traveling, getting in trouble. And it progressively got worse and worse. Like I had cops come into my house every weekend or calling or looking for me when I was younger, drove my parents crazy. <laughs> yeah. What about, um, just that first instance of being in the park and being driven home by town workers? Like yeah. what, what was your, what was the at home response to, to that? I think my parents just thought it was a phase, you know, like they're just having fun. Like they drank and my dad played hockey and just thought it was a phase, just drinking and partying. Yeah. And, uh, but for me, it wasn't a phase. Like I said, it, it lasted a long time. Once I started, I couldn't stop. Yeah. Um, and I really just, that became my identity. I just started seeking after that and fun, um, partying clubs, raves, sometimes partying for three days straight on weekends. Yeah. But then I started getting in fights, started getting arrested. Like, I don't know how many times I've been arrested, but like I've been beat up by cops, arrested to the point where my head, like cops are resisting arrest, getting my head smashed off the back of cop cars and trucks, like it, horrible experiences. Yeah. And it really fueled me though. Like it, it, it was exciting for me. Yeah. It becomes uh, like part I, of it. It becomes part of it. And I, it was like almost addicted to adrenaline, pushing kind of the limits. Yeah. And, uh, I really did. I ended up going to jail, doing some small time and ending up in hospitals because I overdosed and thinking like, I'm never going to do that again, Todd. Like I'm never going to like overdose on drugs. But then next thing you know, next weekend comes around, I forget about that. And I'm back out partying again and doing stupid stuff. Yeah. <laughs> That's the insanity of a addiction. And so the fitness, getting into fitness, like you worked at a gym. Yeah. So you're, you're working at a gym in and amongst this or? Yeah. So once I started um, getting out of high school and stuff, I started really working out hard. And the crazy thing is like, I would be out partying, but then after my party, I'd be at the gym. <laughs> I'd be out, it kind of, it's like counterintuitive, but yeah. <laughs> working out and everybody's partying still. Okay, hey guys, I got to get up and go to the gym. So, <laughs> or I would be staying up and going to the gym. Yeah. So I started getting into the gym industry, working, selling gym memberships and fitness and health actually became a big part. Like I, in these drug binges, I always would try to stay somewhat healthy. 
<laughs> it's almost a trap in itself, right? right? You're doing something bad, but at the same time, yeah. you're doing something good. Yeah. So yeah, that went on for 15 years and, uh, I ended up becoming so hopeless. Like after going in and out of jail, losing jobs, crashing cars, um, I was just being tormented in the end. Like I, I became so hopeless and I was seeking, I was seeking for something, but I didn't really know what it was, but I wanted that place in my heart that like as a kid that I felt that brokenness and loneliness, I was really trying to fill it with all of these things and nothing would fill it. I tried everything and you know, I, it's just in the end, it was just filled with hopelessness, suicidal thoughts, anger. I was an extremely angry person and actually a lot of the trouble i got in and charges was from assaults i would fight people i would get drunk and go to bars and yeah so are you so at the end like at the end of this just when you had this radical encounter where were you living on your own yeah so really what happened was in the end i became like suicidal i tried to commit suicide with taking drugs basically for a month straight and I wanted to die, but I didn't want to die. I was like so scared of death, but so didn't want to live on earth anymore because of my suffering. So I was kind of stuck in this, this awful place. And I ended up in a hospital just really messed up. And at that point of like my rock bottom, I remember Todd, I was crying for like weeks straight. I was so broken. So really just in darkness. And I decided if I go back to the street, I'm going to die. Like I knew inside like my soul was dead and I knew I was going to physically die so I decided I got I got to make a change I got to go to rehab and really I would have never did that before because even in the courts when they would tell me like you should go to rehab or go to um, take anger management which I did I did a lot of these court order stuff I wasn't I didn't really want to change I just wanted to get out of the trouble, you know, at the time. Yeah. And, but this point in my life, I really wanted to change. Like I, I was done. Like I was done with that life. So I, I, I was ready to make a radical change. I called home and said, called my family and said, Hey, I gotta, I gotta go to rehab. I'm really messed up. And so you, and so you did. Yeah. And, and I went to rehab and when I was in rehab, I met a guy and this is where my spiritual journey really started. And he said to me, I told him my story and he said, you know, Brody, you're really messed up. And I said, yeah. And I said, well, how can I change this? He says, you need God. And I'm like, well, how do I get God? He said, you really need God. And I said, so that's what started the journey and started me questioning things. I'm like, yeah, I, I do need God. <laughs> like I need, I need something. Right. And I, I always believed in something. I didn't know what it was. So I started the steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. Some viewers out there might know what this program is. It's a 12 step program. Most 12 step programs are based off of it. Yeah. And in the, the number one step is you need to believe in a higher power. Some people of your viewers might watch hockey. One of my first sponsors in Alcoholics Anonymous was Jim McKenney from the Maple Leafs. He's an old timer. He was a really hardcore guy and tough love. Like he, he told me like, you, you, you want this or leave me alone. Basically. I won't say the words that Jim used at the time, <laughs> <laughs> but he really spoke to my heart what I needed to hear. Yeah. He didn't mess around. Yeah. So I started going through the 12 steps and really kind of just putting all of myself into these, into this program. And it started, I started to work. I had a spiritual awakening or a God conscious and step four, I had to do an inventory of my life of kind of like all my resentments and unforgiveness and, and making amends. 
and do all these things. And the last step of AA actually is like give back to what you're given, like once you recover. So it took me about three years to fully recover, I would say. In, my, in, my, in that three years, it was extremely hard. I went through a year of depression. I never thought I'd be happy again coming off that amount of drugs. Um, and, but it, it started to progressively get better. One of the things I learned in AA was this sacrificial love. You had to forgive. You had to walk in sacrificial love. And, and one of the other keys was honesty. I had to be brutally honest. So I started practicing kind of those three things. And when I got out of rehab, I started going to AA every day, sometimes twice a day. I did that for a couple of years. I really made AA my, uh, my program. And I remember one guy said in AA, hey, Brody, why don't you like just shut up? He basically said, and you have two ears and one mouth. I don't, <laughs> God gave you two ears. How about you just sit and listen? I remember that really stuck with me. God gave you two ears. So I really just sat and listened to their experiences. And that was really humbling time. And I got sober for a year. I ended up relapsing in that time, kind of fell into some more dark places trying to overcome this addiction. But over falling and getting back up and following and sticking to it, I did recover to the point I got my job back. I, 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 everything came back. Like that's part of the promises in AA that everything will, that was missed, that everything that was taken will be given back. If you follow these principles, I started uh, going to the street and giving back the message of AA. So yeah. going to tell other alcoholics, there's a, there's a better way. And this program can help you. Yeah. So I started doing that on the streets, doing clothing drives and going to talk to people to share like, Hey, there's hope for you too. But along that journey, it was three years into it. I was like, is there more? I still was questioning things like I've, I've done this AA thing for a long time. There has to be more. And I was actually praying. Like I was praying to a God of love. I just believed God loved me. <laughs> it's God's grace. So I would pray, but I didn't really know who Jesus was or what Christianity was, even though there's signs of it in AA, you say, yeah. you say some prayers and stuff. But uh, yeah, that's what really started me. And I started reading other spiritual books, like seeking more what there was. And one day, a friend of mine that was my mom's personal trainer actually invited me to go to a church. And I thought, like, what do they do at a church? <laughs> I never, I, I honestly, I always say, I've said this in a lot of different things. Like I thought people go to church to die because I thought it like, yeah. it was like a place where like really old people went and maybe like they knit. And <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think, I didn't think like there was actually like, even though I was praying at the time, I, I don't know. I don't know what I thought. Like, but I just, I didn't think that many people went in our society. Yeah. So I, I decided to take her up on that offer. I went to church and this was probably a half hour out of my uh, town, just in a town nearby. And it was packed. There was over the 500 or more people in this church all worshiping with their hands up and, and, and dancing. And oh, that, I just was like, I kind of like this. Like this was different. And I was always trying to see what was out there, right? Like I was hungry going on this spiritual journey yeah. of truth. And uh, I remember she, she didn't continue to come back to that church, but I, I was like, I'm going to keep going. 
So I sat in the back and nobody talked to me. Like it was kind of just <laughs> me at the time. Actually, I was powerlifting. I was like 180 pounds uh, of muscle and I would wear a muscle shirt backwards hat <laughs> and sit in the back and people were intimidated, t- intimidated of me. Um, but I really started encountering God. I was like, one day I'm like, I'm going to try and put my hands up. <laughs> and I started feeling like the presence of God. I was like, I've never felt this before, but I could actually feel a tangible feeling in my body. Um, it was really cool. I remember I started telling people like, I'm going to church and telling my family. And then one day I was like, I should have somebody pray for me. So I had somebody pray for me in the church and that felt really cool. Like the first time somebody praying over me, that was just so unfamiliar. So then I was like, all right. I'm like, I want to know what this faith stuff is. These people seem really happy. They seem really joyful. Like they're, they're just, there's something that they have that I don't. Yeah. So I went home and started reading the Bible. That's what really started this journey. And I would read it for myself. Like I always tell people, pick up the Bible and read and seek for yourself. So I started reading the Bible. Somebody gave me a book called The Purpose Driven Life. Many people know this book. It's by Rick Warren. That book, wow, that was an incredible time. Read the Bible, read that book. I would go to church and I would start like reading the Bible with like, if this is true, I would read different things taught and be like, if this is true, then I want to know, God, you're going to have to show this to me. So I'd read it and I would be like, I would change. Like my conscience would, I would start getting convicted. I'm like, how come no other book does this? No other spiritual book. Mm. Like I would read it and I would actually get convicted of sin like that I was doing. I'm like, oh, I kind of like doing that particular thing, but now I couldn't actually do it (laughs) because I felt like in my heart that it was wrong. Wow. And at first I thought like, I thought I only had a cocaine problem. But I actually had so many other things that God was going to start working on in my character, different addictions that I didn't even know I had, different sin. I started just following God and being obedient. I would just, like I said, if I got that conviction, I would just stop doing it because it didn't feel good to me. And uh, God started revealing his love more and more like to me that made me kind of just want to be obedient to him because I just knew he cared and had so much love and grace for me from where I came from in my past because I was so far God. And I started reading the purpose driven life. And have you read that book? Oh bro. Wait till I share my story with you. Yeah. So I started reading the purpose driven life and attached to this book is, uh, I don't know, maybe it's 40 sermons. So I started, you're supposed to do it in a group, but I didn't have a group. (laughs) I didn't even know how to get in the groups at church (laughs) or how to fit in or I didn't, know how to do anything. Nobody talked to me. So I kind of did everything by myself. The Holy Spirit just really discipled me. We talk about it, disciple a city and the Holy Spirit just, I wasn't really into, in community really. Um, but so I, I listened to the, that book in like two or three days and Rick Warren (laughs) made it sound so exciting. He said, uh, you can go around the world and you can preach in, in jails and you can travel to different countries and all of this. And I was like, that's me. I want to do that. Like I always had this exciting part in me that God had, I just put it in the wrong way. You know, I always, I'm I'm a very excitable person, extrovert, love people, love new places, love adventure. And God put that in me. So Rick Warren was saying, I'm like, this is what people do in missions. I'm like, and he said, like, you can say a prayer or something. So I prayed, I said, God, use me. Like, if this is true, I just did a simple prayer of faith. And I started being like, how do I plant churches? How do I do this things. I was trying to figure it out in my own self, but within that month of reading that book, my whole life changed. Like all of the stuff Rick Warren talked about happened in my life. Oh, 
So there was a real big changing point, Todd, where one day I went to church and this crazy guy, Jeremy Dorton, if you haven't seen his podcast, it's actually, I just watched it, Todd recorded it. And he just came up to me and he asked me, Hey, I've seen you coming to church for a long time. And what is your story? And he's like the first person that really kind of approached me like that. So I shared with him about my addiction and all this stuff. And he's like, I'm a missionary and I'm going to Nicaragua. And he kind of turned away and I was like, wait, wait a second. I was like, can I go? And I, I didn't even know what I said. Maybe the Holy Spirit took me over. And he said, <laughs> he was basically like, that's what he does. He was probably waiting for me to ask, you know? Yeah. So he said, yeah, you can definitely come. And I was like, wow, I'm going to go on my first mission trip. No clue what I'm going to do, how I'm going to go, how I'm going to make it. It was like five grand. I'm like, how do you even make money? I don't even know a Christian besides this guy. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, he set up all these accounts and all this stuff. I don't know what a missionary does. I don't know what they do in other countries. Uh, I'm just trying to figure this stuff out, right? Yeah. So he says, uh, yeah, I'll set you up with the account and stuff. Start, just start fundraising. And I'm like, well, how do I do that? So I just prayed and asked God, like, God, if you want me to do this, it was a simple faith, like you'll do it. <laughs> so all the money came within a couple of weeks, three weeks. I was working at a gym at the time and all the money came in. I was blown away. Wow. A lot of the money came in from non-Christians. They just believed in me like the change in my life yeah and so i all the money came and i went to nicaragua i had a lot of fear too thinking like going to this foreign country and didn't know where we were going but i was very adventurous so i was like excited to see what would happen yeah and the cool thing is i remember being on the plane i don't know if i shared this anywhere else maybe to some of my friends but there was a, a lot of the people from that church actually were coming on the mission and my one, she's a friend now, but she was so petrified of me. She, she's like, that Brody guy's coming on this trip. I don't know if I want to go anymore. <laughs> so she was actually sitting beside me on the plane. Of course. Yeah. And she's like, she told me that story. I thought that was so funny. Uh -huh. So not only uh, was she, she scared, she was going through a lot of stuff. She was newer to this. And so was I. So we went on this awesome journey in Nicaragua and we got off into Nicaragua and, and they started sharing these tools like, how to share the gospel. And I honestly, even though I was going to church, I didn't even know what the gospel was. I like, I, I was experiencing it <laughs> and I, I was turning to God. I didn't even know what the term repentance really was, but I was trusting God. I was, I was experiencing the good news, but I didn't know how to share the good news. Um, and that's what gospel is the good news. Mm. Maybe you're listening to this now and you don't even know what the gospel is. <laughs> so I didn't even know what a ministry was. We were on a ministry trip. Well, what the heck is a ministry? So we're doing all these things, just learning for the first time. And they taught us how to share our story in 15 seconds. They taught us to share this tool called three circles. So they taught us this and we went out and we just shared our story. We shared the gospel. And the first day we did this, it was a, such a shock for me because coming from Canada, I was in, in such poverty that I never experienced before because here, like it's like I said, we don't lack physical needs here. We might have a lot of spiritual needs that are lacking, yeah. but they're physically like these people didn't have food. They're living in, in huts. They, they had so many people like six to seven or I don't know, up to 10 people living in these little tin shacks. And I, I remember just this one kid that was walking around the village. He had no clothes on and his family was passed out on drugs. And mm. that really shocked me. I went back to my hotel room, kind of like trying to sort this out. And God was really working in my heart at that time. And I remember just be feeling like, what do I do here? Like, this is, it was just shocking to me to like, culturally, you see it on TV. Yeah, it's not like, the same. It's not the same. And it was culturally shocking. And I didn't even know how to process it. So then I went back out 
into the village. And the next day I was with a bunch of women. I was with um, the pastor's wife, actually. And we went into a village and they translate what I'm saying in uh, Spanish. So we were in this village and I walk in. Remember I told you about that, that baby in the family. It was that house. Wow. I'm like, oh, there's that baby. He had clothes on now and his family was there and they're washing dishes by, by hand with a wood board, like old school. No, no dishwasher there. Yeah. <laughs> no electricity. <laughs> and uh, they were, so the mom was crying and the mom was sharing. And this is where I had this radical encounter. The mom is sharing about being addicted to drugs and all of these things. Like she was so broken and her kids got on drugs somehow. I don't even know what, what they were using. So she's explaining this and I'm listening and my heart is filling with such compassion. I'm just feeling like the love of God for her. And really what happened was a supernatural thing that I never even knew the, these stories existed in the Bible, but like the encounter was similar to apostle Paul when he was on the road of Damascus, when he encountered Jesus in a bright light, yeah. I wasn't killing Christians <laughs> like he was, <laughs> but I, uh, was having this like encounter that nobody else could experience there, but me inside my heart. So what happened was it became very still, like very still where everything almost became one. I was one with everything. I don't know how to explain it, but I'll explain it the best I can in words. <laughs> so everything became still, the clouds became still almost like slow motion. Mm. And as the slow motion is happening, she's sharing her story. Love is growing in my heart. This compassion is growing in my heart. And then I heard from God. I started hearing God in my mind, but very clear. And I heard a verse, Second Corinthians five seventeen. Uh, actually, it was the whole all, this whole scripture that was played in my mind, and it was basically like God said to me, Brody, you are a minister. You are a minister of reconciliation to bring God out to the world. And I'm like, what? I'm a minister of reconciliation. He said, you are a new creation. You are brand new. And I'm like, oh, I had such a revelation. I was going to AA all these years and, and practicing all these steps. And instantly I'm like, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm brand new. I don't have an addiction. It's gone. Yeah. It's nailed on the cross. I'm like, oh my gosh, I know my mission and purpose now. And I was search searching for it. Even in all those drug years, I was seeking for some something. And all of a sudden, God just put it in my heart. He's like, you're, you're a meant for mission. You are meant to share my message, the good news to reconcile people with me. And I was like, oh my gosh, I, I know what I'm to do now. And it's like, I just knew. And it, it was like a light bulb. And all of a sudden the scales, like it talks about in the Bible came off my eyes. And it's like, I could see so clearly. So I'm experiencing all this. And I, I'm like, I don't know what to do for this woman, but I just felt like I'm going to reach out and pray that God's love touches her. Like I was even pretty new to prayer and stuff. So I just put my hand on her and I was just like, Holy spirit, where I said, God, just touch her with your love. But then I got hit by God's love. This is the awesome part. I touch her. She said she was so far from God. And then I felt the Holy Spirit coming through like her arm when I touched her, kind of like a fire wow. or like electricity sensation, like a tingle. I'm not just explaining it with certain human words the only way I can. Yeah. Uh, and it came up my arm, like tangibly, I could feel it going. And I was like, what is that? This is, this is different. And it came up slow and it went to my heart and my heart started stretching to the point that I, it, it, 
couldn't contain any more of this love that was coming into my body. So all of a sudden, remember I said I had deep loneliness and deep brokenness and no person could fill it, even my family, even though they tried to fill it. I even tried to have um, women and different relationships and all the drugs and try to fulfill that, that place. In that moment, that void was being filled. It, and it's like, God, it was such a gift from God because it's like my heart was growing and I was like, oh my gosh, it's, it feels so good. It almost like it hurts, but feels good. And it's like, God was like uh, setting me free. So like all of the addiction, all the lies, all of the, the torment, really depression, anxiety was all dissipating while I was encountering the love of God. And then it got so strong, Todd, that I actually fell to the ground under the power of God. And, but, but why I say the power of God, because I couldn't contain it anymore. Like it, it took over my whole body where I started to shake on the ground and the love was like a wave going through me over and over and over again. It felt like forever. It could have been 10 seconds. I don't know. And I was weeping and crying in like a fetal position on the ground in front of all these women <laughs> crying. And then I looked up and I saw a bright light, like apostle Paul. And I've known others that have had similar encounters, but the light was so bright and so uh, holy and heavenly. And, and it, 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 it was just God. And I knew it was God. And the, even the pastor's um, uh, wife that was ministering, I don't remember her name, but I was looking at her and her light illuminated her face, illuminated the bright light. Mm. And she's like, are you okay? I'm like, oh my gosh, I see God on your face. <laughs> it was amazing. <laughs> and just everywhere. And, and I had to turn away because it was too bright. Wow. And uh, I got up off the ground, still crying, and I knew I was different. So, like, I'm going through this encounter. I think everybody else is going through it, like, because it was just so incredible. But, like, instantly, in one second, the love of God touched me, and I was different. I now knew my purpose, mission, identity, my uh, what I was to do, what I was called to do. And I also had this elevated faith that was almost, like, in a supernatural level where I just believed everything God said. Like I just believed everything he said in his Bible and I was encountering everything that he said. So after that encounter, they said, okay, we're going to go share the gospel. That was the first house. (laughs) 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 I'm going through all this. And so we're going and walking down the streets. It felt like angels were with us. Like it felt like we were just walking in this different place. Well, I was at least. (laughs) And every house we went to, every person said yes to Jesus. Like everyone. I'd share a 15 second testimony gospel and they would be like, I want Jesus. And then it's like the, this light would happen in their eyes. And they, I seen hope instantly. I'm like this, how, how did I miss this? How did I, why is this, this is real. I kept saying, this is real. I kept remember, keep saying that. Like, what am I going to, what do I do with this? So we would go to the next person. They would say yes to Jesus. I'm like, everybody is saying yes to Jesus. I'd never seen this in Canada. And the awesome part, I remember going to the last, like, uh, we were in this store sharing in Nicaragua, all the stores have bars and stuff. So we like, this girl came to the the bars and I was sharing her the gospel Yeah, and she said, Oh, I don't know if I'm ready for Jesus. And I just started weeping and crying. And I was like, but your whole village is coming to Christ. You can't be left. You got to come to Christ. And she started crying and she said, I want to follow Jesus. <laughs> she started encountering God too. So oh. this was my day, Todd. Like I got back to the church and it was like a church there is like the same thing of the homes. It's like a tin shack, tin roof, uh, just these little tin walls and the whole village was in there and they had like a celebration and everybody was dancing and cheering and, and, uh, celebrating all these people that got saved, like gave their lives to Jesus. Yeah. And, uh, 
if you don't know what salvation is, like I really look at salvation as freedom. Like yeah. you're saved, you're being set free from sin, right? Like it's, 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 it's really just encapsulated freedom. And all of these people were experiencing hope and freedom and dancing and cheering. And, uh, I was crying six hours, six hours. I cried going through this encounter. I don't even think the leaders knew what was, I was going through. They didn't know until I started sharing my testimony like a year later. Wow. <laughs> so yeah, we even got at the end of it, we got to share our testimony, how the mission trip went and I got to preach. They just kind of throw you up there in front of 300 people and say, share your story. <laughs> <laughs> so I just shared some of my story. Uh, the girl that I came with that I said that was scared of me. She shared her story. She also had a radical encounter. She left. She had fear when she came. She left with zero fear after this trip. Amen. And God changed her life, changed all of our lives. Like all that went on that trip, came back to Canada. And now things got really interesting. When you encounter God like this, the things change like rapid speed. My life went from like this, like AA recovery to like this next level <laughs> of like, I, like, I don't even know. It was just, it's just so God. Like I was working in a gym when I got back to Canada, but like, I didn't even want to sell the gym memberships. Like I, I was passionate about like seeing people in fitness. Cause I, I love fitness and love seeing people uh, do healthy things. But I was like, Hey, you're here for a gym membership, but let me share this three circles gospel tool. <laughs> and I started sharing um, about Jesus at the gym. And I started sharing like with everyone, like I was, I was so filled with God. I couldn't stop talking about him and people like, it looked really crazy to people on the outside, like in the culture in Canada, I'm sure, because not everybody's running around telling people about Jesus, even though we're believing it's happening now. Right. <laughs> yes, a lot. And I started seeing crazy stuff, Todd, like healings, miracles, uh, baptisms in lakes, baptisms in homes. Um, revival started breaking out in my heart. And I was doing this for a year and things got, got really interesting. Like I told you, I heard from God and I know this is, this is very rare hearing the audible voice of God, but I actually ended up hearing uh, when I got launched full time into ministry, the audible voice of God. So I, I was serving, working at this gym. I'm like, what do I do now? Like I'm doing all this stuff. And even at church, I would try to get others to come out and share the gospel, but they would say things like Brody, that is just for you. <laughs> and I'm like, no, I think it's for us all. <laughs> like, I, like I, this is for us all. Like not church, just church on Sunday, church every day, yeah. church in the park, church in the home, like church everywhere. And we need to bring the church outside of the walls. I used to say, like we have a group now called the church without walls. Cause we're just the church wherever we go. Yeah, right. Come on. So, um, I heard I was sleeping one night, sorting out my life with the, with work and with everything. I, I really, it wanted to continue just to continue to do this like awesome mission life. And God told me one day I woke up um, and I heard the audible voice. It shook me to my core. And God said, like the father said, kind of like my first sponsor was very like he, he, God knows what you need to hear. And God said to me, leave your life. Like in a very manly voice. I'm like, Oh, I'm like, like God is very loving guys, but this is what I, I needed to hear. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I needed to hear this kind of strong, uh, manly voice. So God, um, told me that. And you know, I, I, I said, okay, God, I'm all in. So I called, I quit my job. I, I started just serving full time. I didn't even know what that meant. But when I took that step of faith, like obedience of just, again, listening to what God told me to do my life, I, I traveled 
like all over the world within the first year. I, I had zero money and literally I would go to a mission trip like the Philippines, come back home, have no money. And then all of a sudden money would come in again, go to Africa, come back home, go to Cuba, come back home. And for a year I started going all over the world, preaching the gospel. And I saw tens of thousands of people give their lives to Jesus wow. <laughs> like, and like just saw things that I would have to write a whole book about because it was so crazy. Like in that year, I even, I was even like, guys, I was broken down, basically drug addict. And within it, within three or something years, I was now like in a refugee camp in the border of South Sudan sharing about Jesus. <laughs> How does this happen? That's unbelievable. Yeah, I was in a refugee camp with uh, like a half million people. I don't know a lot of people like that are coming out of war, praying for them, sharing about Jesus, doing life with them and, and stuff like this. It, it, it really was so crazy. This, this journey and uh, yeah, that's what happened after this encounter. And I believe these encounters, this experiential experiencing God every day is for everyone. <laughs> yeah. Like you can have this ongoing relationship where you ongoing, where you ongoing, like encounter God, encounter his love every day. And every day becomes this new, exciting adventure with God when you open your eyes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and your heart, right? Bro? Yeah. Like, so what is your, what is your role right now with E3? Yeah. So with E3. And you're not, you're not, well, I guess the last couple of years been limited, but you're not traveling as much as you did that first year, but you yeah. have done a lot of travel since. Yeah. So after those, those first years, yeah, we did a lot of traveling. So one of my roles actually uh, is an international trip leader where I, uh, I mobilized the church uh, to go into the world and lead short-term expeditions so others can learn tools to share the gospels and, and encounter God and bring it back to wherever they're from and bring the fire. Yeah. Right. And in the last a little bit here, we've been traveling across Canada in RVs and sharing the gospel, doing local mission. So my role really is a church mobilizer, equipping, establishing churches and uh, yeah, just, just moving in the power of God, you know, moving in the power of his love <laughs> and sharing that with the world. Yeah. Yeah. Sharing the gospel with the world. And it's so true what you say that it's for everyone, for yeah. all of us. And it's interesting that, or how I wrap my head around it. Cause I've been on some trips too. Right. Mm -hmm. But it's like, when you go on a trip, you leave behind all your responsibilities. Yeah. Right. Your, your, whatever, if you take time off of your job or whatever, whatever your worldly responsibilities are, you leave them behind, you go on this trip mm -hmm. and everything about what you're doing mm -hmm. is given for him. Right. So that sort of heart, mind, soul focus. Yeah. Um, but you're so right. When we come back, we can walk in that every day, every day. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I always say, like I talk to so many uh, non-believers and, and Jesus. And I always say, well, come out with us onto the streets, come out to one of our events uh, where we have worship events. Like you guys do here, praise nights, I come on a mission trip. Maybe it's international. I don't know, but uh, step out like th that step of faith for me just to see what it was all about. Oh man, changed my life so much. Like it, it, it is incredible. I'm, I'm living the life of my dreams with God. <laughs> like, and there is sometimes trials and, and tribulations and stuff like this, but I have peace in my heart. Even in the last two years, I didn't have any fear. Like I just had this, peace and comfort inside of me, knowing that 
God is with me. Yeah. <laughs> like a completeness, you know, a wholeness. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What you were missing, what yeah, you were what missing, missing when you were young. It's just, it's just there now. <laughs> and that's for everyone though. Yeah. Like God wants to, you to be reconciled with him and, and for that peace to be yours. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, you just got to receive it. It's just, it's a free gift. <laughs> like it's free. What else is free in the world? Right? Absolutely nothing. <laughs> Absolutely nothing. Um, Brody, if you were speaking right now to some people with addictions who believe in God, they have a faith, mm-hmm. but they've not experienced what you experienced. And even though with all the amazing things, like you would think mm-hmm. just hearing your story, it would just boom, flick a light switch. But what, yeah. what, what can you say to someone who might be listening right now? And maybe it's not Coke or whatever, but yeah. it doesn't matter what it is, it right? Matter. Whatever it is, mm-hmm. but they're dealing with it right now. And they think, well, that was for you, but this isn't working for me. What, yeah. what would you, you know, it, it's identity teaching. And I have a friend that I highly recommend you read his book. His name is Curtis Hartshorn. He wrote a book called really, really free. <laughs> it's all on identity and who you are in Christ. And really, when you know who you are in Christ, addiction has no power over you anymore. So when I had the revelation of my identity and who he created in me to who he created me to be, that he took it all on the cross, my addiction really just fell off. And that revelation was from Galatians 2.20. Maybe you know the verse, Todd, where it says, I have been crucified in Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. <laughs> when God revealed to me that he died for me, that he took my sin and my addiction onto the cross, that I am now a brand new creation. And th- that, that really just, I realized I'm just free. And guys, I want to say out there that you are free. You are not your addiction. You are the righteousness in Christ Jesus. He has done it for you. Receive your freedom and receive your peace from God and have a fresh encounter with the love of Jesus Christ. And maybe I could pray, Todd. I would really like to pray for your viewers that they would encounter the love of God. Yeah, please. When you truly encounter the love of God, addiction falls off anxiety falls off depression falls off yeah and i know there might be some christians in the church there might be some non-christians but let's just pray that they tangibly encounter god because i i really believe right now they will when i pray yeah and i know you believe it too amen (laughs) yeah so father i thank you lord jesus for the viewers who are watching this father i thank you lord that they are the righteousness of christ I thank you, Lord, that they are free from addiction. They are free from depression. They are free from anxiety. They are free from torment. And they do have the peace of Christ that reigns in their heart. I pray right now, as you're listening, that you would open up your heart to the love of God. That Holy Spirit, wow, Holy Spirit, you would touch the top of their head and you would send the same wave of love that would flow through their body and they would tangibly have a fresh encounter with you right now in the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, get them. Holy Spirit, touch them. Holy Spirit, encounter them. Father, release your goodness, release your love, release your faithfulness. Right now, I just sense 
right now the Holy Spirit is touching you. You are feeling his presence and addiction is just falling off. Depression is falling off. Right now, anxiety has just left you and the peace of God is touching your heart. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. May every plan and purpose be filled in your life and may God's love reign inside your heart. In Jesus' name.